G'day, it's Phil Edwards, Vision CEO here, with a quick invitation to become part of this amazing beacon of hope called Vision. Together we can put our love into action to help people of all kinds build or rebuild their lives on the truth of God. Please consider the part you can play during our upcoming Visionathon appeal, remembering that it's your support that makes Vision possible, including this podcast. Audio on demand from Vision Christian Media. Sometimes in life, it seems as though God is sending us mixed signals. On the one hand, he's done some mighty things and he promises so much more. But on the other, these trials always seem to come our way. What exactly is he playing at? Hi, I'm Bernie Diamond. Thanks so much for joining me again on Christianity Works. Today we're continuing with the next message in the teaching series called Your Best is Yet to Come. And yes, we're going to take a look at those pesky trials that inevitably seem to come our way. So let's head into God's Word to discover the plans that God has for you. And please do stay tuned because in just a few minutes I'll be telling you about a free booklet called Your Best is Yet to Come. A booklet that I'd love to send you to help you lay hold of those plans, enter into those plans, live out those plans. Your best is yet to come. It is great to be with you again today in this, the third message in a series that I've called Your Best is Yet to Come. The phrase Your Best is Yet to Come is a phrase that kind of belongs to Margaret Court. Now that name may or may not be familiar to you, but Margaret Court is the greatest tennis player that has ever lived. Between 1960 and 1975, she won 62 Grand Slam titles. That's enormous. No one else has ever come close to that. And in the era of superstar syndrome, we forget that superstars started as nobodies. Margaret began her life as a child in a country town in Australia. She had a really tough upbringing and she went through some real ups and downs in her career. All through it, she had a sense from God that that somehow her best was yet to come. Even after her tennis career was over and she wasn't in the limelight anymore and she was bringing up kids, she went through some especially difficult times. Difficult because it was just tough. Now, we don't expect that. We don't expect a superstar, someone who is the most successful tennis player that's ever walked the planet, to go through difficult times. But it was especially during that time after she finished her tennis career, in a time where she discovered Jesus Christ as her Lord and Saviour, that she had those difficult times. And she just felt God saying to her that her best was yet to come, which is really amazing. I mean, here we have the most successful tennis player of all time, finishes her career, and she senses that God is a God who is saying, your best is yet to come. And here's what I've discovered, that our best, whatever that is, what, whether we're tennis players or whether we're people who work in technology or whether we're academic or we're not, it doesn't matter. Whatever our best is, it often happens amidst the great trials and uncertainties of life. And those trials are things that we all go through. It's amazing how many of the letters that we get in response to these programs talk about the difficulties that people are going through. And so today's message is called The Trials That Always Seem to Come. 
It's kind of this, for me, it's a paradox. It's, it's a tension. On the one hand, God does want to bring out our best, and, and God is about bringing out our best. But so often it happens in the face of trials and failures, and you open up God's word, you see it in the lives of so many people, whether it's Abraham, whether it's Moses, whether it's David, whether it's one of the prophets, whether it's Jesus. His best came out on the cross. His best for us. And it was such a great trial. To the world, it looked like a failure. I was spending some time with a colleague from Bangladesh recently, and Bangladesh is an incredibly poor country, 144 million people in a very small space, incredibly crowded, poor, it has floods, it has storms. And this man is doing the Lord's work in a city of around about a million people, a place where there are less than 50 Christians in the whole city. And we were sharing this time together in India recently, and the man had, well, he had a sparkle in his eyes. He was well-dressed, he was pleasant, he was, he was happy, he was committed. We talked about the funding of his ministry, and I said, well, how do you fund your ministry? And he said, well, you know, we make some blankets and we try and sell them, and mostly we eat rice, but often there's not enough food to put on the table, so, so we go hungry. How could this man have such a countenance of peace despite his difficult circumstances. Now, I think we have a natural tendency to whinge and complain and to tell people how bad things are, and it seems that the more we have, the more prone we are to that. Over the last few weeks on the program, we've been looking at the story of Moses because Moses was a man who, at the age of 80, was a burnt-out old wreck in the back of the desert. He was a failure, he was a murderer, but God was in that place, and despite all of Moses' excuses, all of his complaints... God was there to tell him, Moses, your best is yet to come. Last week we saw how how God took Moses, and Moses couldn't believe that God could possibly use him. And he said to Moses, what's that in your hand? And Moses said, it's my staff. And God did some miracles through that shepherd's staff. He turned it into a snake, he turned it back into a staff, he turned the Nile into blood, he, he parted the Red Sea with that staff. Today we're going to look at some of the trials that came Moses' way, the trials that always seem to come. Because when God shows up and says, I've got a plan for your life, there's one thing for certain. There are going to be days where it sure doesn't feel like it. If you look around at other people, they they all seem to be successful and other ones are praising them and those people are doing well. And we can often feel they're all successful, their life's going well, but we're in this firestorm of opposition and failure and Well, you know, when we're on God's journey, it's not always going to be plain sailing. In fact, the opposite is true. Jesus promised us that in this world, we will have tribulations, we'll have pressures, we'll feel like the life is being squeezed out of us. Let's pick up Moses' story. It's a story when God has sent Moses to tell Pharaoh to let his people go. And Pharaoh doesn't want to let the people go out of slavery, so God sends ten plagues, and finally, Pharaoh lets Israel go out of Egypt. For centuries, they've been in slavery, and finally they're free. Finally, they're out. It must have been an incredible feeling, that sense of liberation. Let's have a read. It's Exodus chapter 13, beginning at verse 17. If you have a Bible, grab it. When Pharaoh let the people go, 
God did not lead them on the road through the Philistine country, though that was shorter. For God said if they face war, they might change their minds and return to Egypt. So God led the people around by the desert road towards the Red Sea. The Israelites went up out of Egypt armed for battle. Moses took the bones of Joseph with him because Joseph had made the sons of Israel swear an oath. He said, God will surely come to your aid and then you must carry my bones up with you from this place. After leaving Succoth, they camped at Etham on the edge of the desert. By day, the Lord went ahead of them, a pillar of cloud to guide them on their way, and by night in a pillar of fire to give them light so that they could travel by day or by night. Neither the pillar of cloud by day nor the pillar of fire by night left its place in front of the people. It's often the way we set out on God's journey and and we have this sense of his presence really powerfully, really strongly. This great sense of freedom and jubilation. It must have been what Israel felt when they left Egypt, left slavery. But notice what it says in verses 17 and 18. God could have taken them the short route straight to the promised land through the Philistine country. Only 11 days walk, actually. But he knew that they weren't ready for the promised land. They weren't ready for the battles with the Philistines. For God said if they face war, they might change their minds and return to Egypt. So instead of taking the short way, God took them the long way. And the short way to you and me always looks easier. But God knew they weren't ready to fight the Philistines and then all the other nations that they'd have to fight to get into the promised land. Now, God had a different plan. God had a a wilderness experience. And we'll see shortly that he took them deliberately into an impossible situation the Red Sea crossing with Pharaoh's army in hot pursuit. Why did God do that? We'll have a look at that in just a moment. I'm Bernie Diamond and you're listening to Christianity Works. just want to take a moment during the short break to share something truly important with you. This feeling that God is finished with us, that perhaps there isn't much of a future left for us. It's a feeling that we all experience at some point in our lives. But the truth is that he's far from done with us. The truth is that your best is yet to come. That's why I'd love to send you a free copy of our latest life application booklet called, not surprisingly, Your Best is Yet to Come. It's full of life-changing practical Bible teaching to help you lay hold of the amazing future that God has ready and waiting for you. In fact, at the end of each chapter, you'll find a series of life application questions to help you think through and apply God's Word right into the realities of your life. To request your free copy, stop by at ChristianityWorks.com or give us a call toll-free on 1-300-722-415 and we'll send that booklet straight out to you in the post. Again, that's online at ChristianityWorks.com or 1-300-722-415. It is such a delight to be able to be with you today because God is up to something good. Even amidst our trials, even amidst our temptations, the temptation to pull over and stop, the, the temptation to give up, I just really want to share with you now the amazing part of God's plan. He not only uses difficult situations and circumstances, but he sometimes even deliberately sets them up to build us up into a place of faith and trust that we never imagined possible. Let's continue on the story of Moses, beginning in Exodus chapter 14, verses 1 to 9. This is what it says. 
Then the Lord said to Moses, Tell the Israelites to turn back and encamp at Pihirath, between Migdol and the sea. They are to encamp by the sea directly opposite Baal-Zephon. Pharaoh will think the Israelites are wandering around in the land in confusion, hemmed in by the desert, and I will harden Pharaoh's heart, and he will pursue them. But I will gain glory for myself through Pharaoh and all his army, and the Egyptians will know that I am the Lord. So the Israelites did this. When the king of Egypt was told that the people had fled, Pharaoh and his officials changed their mind about them and said, What have we done? We've let the Israelites go and we've lost our slaves. So he had his chariots made ready and he took his army with him. He took 600 of the best chariots along with all the other chariots of Egypt with officers over them all. The Lord hardened the heart of Pharaoh, king of Egypt, so that he pursued the Israelites who were marching out boldly. The Egyptians, all Pharaoh's horses and chariots and horsemen and troops, pursued the Israelites and overtook them as they camped by the sea opposite Baal-Zephon. Now, when you think about it, this is a kind of strange thing for God to do. Remember, over the last few weeks, we've looked at Moses' story. God found him at the back of the desert. He dragged Moses, kicking and screaming, into the role that God had always planned for him, a leadership role. Moses protests, but God says, what's that I've put in your hand? And Moses says, well, it's a staff, and God does miracles through that staff in his hand. The mighty show of power of God to come along and send ten plagues on Egypt through Moses. And then the impossible happens. Pharaoh decides to let God's people, the Israelites, go. And then what happens? God shows up in a pillar of cloud and fire. Does it get any more powerful than that? But look, now God does something that to us seems, well, it doesn't make sense. He tells them to turn back and encamp between Migdol and the sea. So don't keep going ahead, turn back. At the same time, he hardens Pharaoh's heart. So God is putting the people, his people, whom he's just saved out of Pharaoh's hands, directly in the line of fire, in incredible danger. This happens directly as a result of the will of God. It's premeditated and planned. We just read it there. Chapter 14, verse 2 of Exodus. Tell the Israelites to turn back and encamp back there between Migdol and the sea. And at the same time, I will harden Pharaoh's heart and he will pursue them. Now, I often hear people say, God would never put me in harm's way deliberately. God would never leave me hungry or lonely. No, God would never do those things. It must be the devil. But he does it here. He does it to Israel. His ways aren't our ways. His thoughts are not our thoughts. We can start to get a very narrow view of God if we just put him in a box like that. Here, his word specifically tells us that he did this. Why? Because he knew the heart of his people. Despite all... All of the powerful things that they just seen him do, they still didn't have faith in him. Instead, they focused on what they could see right then and there. Have a look at their reaction. We'll pick it up in Exodus chapter 14, beginning at verse 10. As Pharaoh approached, the Israelites looked up, and there were the Egyptians marching after them. They were terrified, and they cried out to the Lord. They said to Moses, Was it because there were no graves in Egypt that you brought us out into the desert to die? What have you done to us by bringing us out of Egypt? 
Didn't we say to you in Egypt, leave us alone, let us serve the Egyptians? It would have been better for us to serve the Egyptians than to die in the desert. And Moses answered the people, don't be afraid, stand firm, and you will see the deliverance of the Lord that he will bring to you this day. The Egyptians you see today, you will never see again. The Lord will fight for you. You need only be still. So God goes to all this trouble to get Moses, to empower him, to convince him, to send plagues on Pharaoh. And at the first sign of pressure, the Israelites have seen all these miracles. At the first sign of some adversity, they show their true colors. They turn on Moses with the worst insult that they could have given to God. The slavery God that you set us free from would have been better than this. That's a picture of you and me. That's how we behave. And that's what so often God is trying to deal with in us. We run into adversity, we run into opposition, and we fight and we struggle and we weep and we carry on. We, we expend so much energy. We waste so much time. There's a message in all that. The Lord will fight for you. You need only be still. I've spent so much of my life doing things in my own strength that the Lord had to teach me to rely on him. It's still not natural for me. But, you know, he's able to achieve so much more than I ever could have done in my own strength. Ministry like ours has gone from nothing to reaching people globally in less than two years. I had an email the other day from Cameroon in Africa. A person takes the CDs of these programs and plays them on his bus line, for goodness sake, to thousands of people every day as they ride for three or four hours in the buses. I mean, sure, there's lots of opposition. There are lots of people who laughed at us. There are lots of people who didn't believe in what God had called us to do. Every day we face opposition and trials. But the Lord speaks to us through those. And he doesn't just grow me, but our whole team. You know, when we are going through opposition and trials, I believe God's saying to us, your best is yet to come. I'm Bernie Diamond, and you're listening to Christianity Works. As we take this short break, I'd like to tell you about a free daily resource that I'd love to send you to help you draw closer to God. It's called Fresh, a short daily devotional, a powerful scripture verse with some words of inspiration, hope and encouragement delivered right to the inbox on your smartphone, tablet or computer each and every day. Or, if you prefer, you can now receive a printed version delivered right to your letterbox. It's completely free. To get instant access either to the digital or the printed version of Fresh, stop by our mobile-friendly website, ChristianityWorks.com. You'll see the Fresh e-devotional sign-up right there at the top of the homepage. Or, if you prefer, give us a call toll-free on 1-300-722-415 to request the printed Fresh devotional. It's completely up to you. Again, that's online at ChristianityWorks.com or toll-free on 1-300-722-415. So go ahead, sign up to receive Fresh, and may your heart be touched and transformed as you draw ever closer to Jesus through His Word. All right, then let's dive back into God's Word to see how this whole God story plays out in the life of Moses and the life of Israel, because God doesn't give them an easy path, and that that may sound all too familiar. We're talking today about the trials that come when we travel the journey in life that God has laid out before us. 
The Israelites were in a place that God led them to. God told them to go back and camp in a certain place. God hardened Pharaoh's heart, and it was to a point of destruction where God led Israel. He did this after the most amazing set of miracles. When we're travelling through that, it can be so confusing. It's kind of contradictory. You know, we see God do these mighty miracles in our lives. Israel saw the plagues that God sent down on Egypt. And so you think, wow, God's on my side. God leads Israel out of Egypt. God sends a pillar of cloud and a pillar of fire to go before them. God's very present. And then God puts them in a place of danger, a place that draws out their fears and their doubts, that brings those things to the surface so that he can deal with them. He stretches, he, he stretches, he stretches, and you think, Lord, I can't take any more. Oswald Chambers, in his book, The Love of God, says this, A saint's life is in the hands of God as a bow and arrow are in the hands of an archer. God's aiming at something the saint can't see. He stretches and strains. Every now and again, the saint says, I can't stand it anymore. But God doesn't heed. He goes on stretching until his purpose is in sight. Then he lets fly. All of a sudden, after all the hurt, all the opposition, all the trials, just when he's ready, just at the point where he knows he's done the things in us that he wanted to do, then God lets the arrow fly. And his glory is all around. And that's exactly what he did with Moses and Israel. Let's pick it up again in chapter 14 of Exodus, beginning at verse 15. Then the Lord said to Moses, Why are you crying out to me? Tell the Israelites to move on. Raise the staff that you had in your hand. Stretch out your hand over the sea to divide the water so that the Israelites can go through the sea on the dry ground. I will harden the hearts of the Egyptians so that they will go in after them. And I will gain glory through Pharaoh and all his army, through his chariots and his horsemen. The Egyptians will know I am the Lord when I gain glory through Pharaoh, his chariots and his horsemen. Then the angel of God, who had been travelling in front of Israel's army, withdrew and went behind them. The pillar of cloud also moved from in front and stood behind them, coming between the armies of Egypt and Israel. Throughout the night, the cloud brought darkness to one side and light to the other side, so that neither went near the other all night long. Last week we saw that God said to Moses, take the shepherd's staff that I've put in your hand. Everyone's running around in a flap. Everyone's afraid. Everyone can see just the armies of Egypt who are about to kill them. And you know, let's not give the Israelites too hard a time. My hunch is you and I would have been exactly in the same boat with them when we see this huge, mighty army bearing down to destroy us. But God says, take the staff, Moses, that you had in your hand, the thing that you had, and let me use it in my divine power. Go on, pick the staff up, raise it up over the Red Sea, and watch how I will part the waters so the Israelites can pass through. But there was something that came before that. We're not at the point of that miracle yet. We're we're there at the night before. The miracle of parting the Red Sea, that was tomorrow. But tonight, the Egyptians were right behind the Israelites, the mighty Egyptian army against these, these fleeing slaves. And look at what the Lord did. Look at verse 19. The angel of God who'd been traveling in front of them withdrew and went behind. The pillar of cloud also moved from in front and stood behind them, coming between 
the armies of Egypt and Israel. Throughout the night, the cloud brought darkness to the one side and light to the other. So neither went near the other all night long. The very presence of God moved and God put himself between Israel and Egypt. He protected his people. It must have been a long night and God was there. This is about a father's love, not just in word, but in deed. See, God's different from any of the other gods and idols that people worship because he is on this journey with us. Now, our journeys take some startling turns. We face some fiery trials. But the point of this is that he is in that place with us. And just at the point when it feels like things are going to overwhelm us, he steps in to hold us safe. God, why do you do these things? Well, this passage we just read tells us that. Verse 18, The Egyptians will know that I am the Lord when I gain glory through Pharaoh, his chariots and his horsemen. Tomorrow God has a miracle planned. Tomorrow God wants to part the Red Sea. Tomorrow God wants to open the way of the impossible, something that only he can do. Because there's something he never loses sight of. Your best, my best, is still to come. God has miracles planned in our life. God wants to do things. God wants to use us. God wants to bless us. And in that dark night, when Egypt's army is bearing down on us, when it looks completely impossible, God's presence is in that place. In the fears, in the uncertainties, God is doing things with us. Because he knows that our best is yet to come. Before I go, there's something very important that I need to share with you. This program, Christianity Works, is encouraging so many people in over 160 countries around the world to realize that God has a powerful plan for their lives, that their best is yet to come. But that's only possible through the generous support of friends like you. Each dollar that you give towards the ministry of Christianity Works today will help reach almost 3,000 people with a gospel message. So a gift of, say, $35 can touch over 100,000 people with the good news of Jesus. That's an amazing return on your investment. So let me encourage you to give a generous tax-deductible gift to Christianity Works today. You can do that right now securely online by visiting our website, ChristianityWorks.com, or by calling toll-free on 1-300-722-415. And when you do get in touch, please don't forget to request your free copy of that life application booklet I mentioned earlier. It's called Your Best is Yet to Come. Again, that's online at ChristianityWorks.com or toll-free on 1-300-722-415. Hey, thanks so much for your support and for joining me today. I'm Bernie Diamond, and I'll catch you again same time next week with another message of God's love, God's grace, and God's power for each one of us in Jesus Christ.
Thanks for taking time to listen to this audio on demand from Vision Christian Media. To find out more about us, go to vision.org.au.